church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring, uplifting, and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dennis Hall, and I'm delighted that you're listening to this podcast today. And I'm even more excited to have as my guest on this podcast today, Justin Bonner the assistant pastor at the First Baptist Church in Highlands, North Carolina. Welcome to the podcast, Pastor Justin. Well, it is a pleasure to be here, Dennis. I think we'll, we'll have a, an interesting time discussing uh, the topic that I have planned today. These are trying times in our country, in America. Uh, I have heard the word evil on the airways more in recent days than ever before because of recent things that have happened in our country. You know, we live in a country that, uh, you know, leads the world in things like the production and consumption of uh, pornography, leads the world in in the uh, amount of uh, uh, abortions, the killing of babies in the womb with some 63 million uh, babies now that have been uh, uh virtually murdered in the womb uh, since the passage of the liberal abortion laws in, in America. You know, America is uh, saddled with all kinds of human trafficking and prostitution and uh, even legalized prostitution in some areas of our countries and extensive substance abuse where we literally uh, lead the world with, uh, with the abuse of legal and illegal substances in the world. And then, you know, we look at corruption all around us. And even before the events of recent days, uh, you know, we were seeing uh, uh, killings of young people in the streets of our major cities with Chicago reporting almost 600 uh, uh, murders last year in their city. And um, just I saw statistics about the Memorial Day weekend uh, murders in Chicago and Philadelphia. Um just all kinds of things happening around us that we see happening uh, every day. And then we are stunned by these recent uh, mass killings in the, in the elementary school in Texas where 19 young children were uh, young second, third, fourth graders were, were killed by a gunman. And then we read recently at, at a medical center, uh, there's four people gunned down at, a uh, medical center just in recent days, and this seems to go on all around us, and so we are, uh, we're stunned. We're just stunned, and sometimes we don't know how to react or what to do as as believers and as followers of Jesus Christ. Do you have the same kind of feeling? Yes, I, to be honest with you, Dennis, I, I very much have the same types of feelings about the world going on around us, but that's one of the beauties, I believe, of, of a passage like this that we're going to be looking at in Ephesians is that it shows us that we don't have the choice of sitting back and being inactive about the things going on. We, there is evil, there is 
corruption. There are dark forces at work in the world. There are dark forces at work in the hearts of men. And we are not to sit back and watch it happen. I we think are you're to right. Get Justin. Involved. I think you're exactly right. And, and what Justin is alluding to is, uh, as, as we look around what's happening in America, you can't help but think back to the first century Christians and what they were dealing with in terms of even, uh, evil forces and the apostle, you know, the apostle Paul left us an absolute wonderful, uh, guidebook, uh, in a, a letter that we refer to as Ephesians in the new Testament it was a letter he wrote, a letter he wrote to the churches of Ephesus uh, while he was in prison. And uh, it's a 2,400-word uh, letter to this group of believers in in an in environment very similar to uh, what we're dealing with today all these centuries later, you know, where they were surrounded by uh, uh skeptical non-believers who worshipped other gods. The, the famous Artemis idol was worshipped there where they had a huge temple considered to be one of the great wonders of the world at the time. And there were some 50 other gods that were worshipped in, in this area at the time, along with the Roman emperor. Um, and so they were surrounded by this, and there was all kinds of evil things going on in terms of killings and abuses and uh, 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 idol worship practices. And in that environment, that's when Paul uh, penned this letter to the churches of Ephesus that we call Ephesians. And, and I wanted us to look at that, this this morning, Justin, uh, together, uh, where we can ask what this has to say to us today as contemporary followers of Jesus Christ. You know, he begins... Uh, uh, the, the focus that we're going to focus on this morning for our listeners is the, what, what is called Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. We refer to this as the armor of God uh, uh, chapter in Ephesians. Uh, Paul is going to use the metaphor of a Roman soldier, you know, and we've all seen portrayals of Roman soldiers with their helmets and breastplates and and daggers and swords hanging on a belt and a shield and, and heavy hobnail boots. And Paul is going to use this to give Christians instructions about how we are to be prepared for the evil forces. You know, uh, uh, he begins this uh, chapter in uh, verse 10 by saying, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. You know, um, I had an experience just <laughs> where I was hospitalized a few years ago and diagnosed as having a big sarcoma cancer in my belly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I, I'm not going to take time on this podcast to go into all the details, but just let me to let me say that, uh, all my prayer warriors and the churches I were involved with began to pray for me. And, uh, eventually when I went back to be further examined and to be scheduled for surgery, there was no cancer in my belly. None. Mm. The doctors Amen. had no explanation. All they could do is look at me and say, we have no 
<laughs> scientific explanation for this. But the, what, the reason I wanted to mention it is when I got back and I shared this story like I'm sharing with you, uh, the reaction of some of my friends in the church was, there must be some other explanation besides prayer. And I was kind of stunned by that. And it made me wonder, uh, where are we today as believers and, and non-believers even in terms of believing in the power of God? Well, I, I, on that note, in my own personal experience, in my own personal walk with the Lord and where I've grown up, the type of churches I've grown up in has been primarily a Southern Baptist type of landscape. And what I've felt has happened in, in a lot of our churches in our areas is in an attempt to not be labeled as charismatic or, or word faith, we've gone so far as to run to the polar opposite end of the spectrum. And we almost treat God's healing power as something that doesn't exist. You know, we we, we don't want to get lumped in with that group. So we go to the other end of the spectrum. And, and what I think is so beautiful about how this passage starts is that it's automatically taking it off of, it doesn't say put on your armor and in your mighty power, it's putting it on the Lord. That's you right. Know, Exodus two, Exodus 15 verse two says, the Lord is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. The Lord is our strength. We don't derive our strength from ourselves. So already it's an external thing being applied to us. Right. And his strength is unlimited. In other words, what we're taught throughout the scripture and our entire faith teaches us is uh, we use this big word we call, uh, you know, God omnipotent. It simply means that there's no limit to his power. He created the universe. And so Absolutely. just as you said, you know, in the next verse and verse 11 there in, in chapter six of Ephesians, uh, we, we find Paul telling us to put on the full armor of God so you can take our stand against the devil's schemes. Now, all of a sudden we've introduced a new, not a new concept, but a, 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 a different focus. So we're saying take our our uh, stand against the uh, devil's schemes. You know, I've heard this discussion going on on the airways about these recent events in this country where people are referring to men as evil, that we have these evil men that are doing these things. And I'm sitting there thinking, I, that is not, that's not, the, that's, that's not the, that's not the, uh, that's not the problem we're dealing with here. Uh, you know, throughout the Bible, uh, the devil's talked about, I think some 35 times in the new Testament, uh, uh, the, the Greek word for devil is used. And we even have that scene of Jesus being tempted by Satan. But in this modern day contemporary world, the concept of an evil force led by Satan or the devil seems to be unacceptable. Even in some churches, and I, I would agree with that. I think that it has to do with a few things. I think one, it has to do with, in a lot of evangelicalism, going back to my previous point of 
of how we've become separatists, kind of throwing out the baby with the bathwater, we've we've denied a lot of the supernatural aspect of our faith. We have uh, so much science has progressed, so much discovery has been made in the last 20, 30 years that we've almost we've almost inherently kind of in the back of our heads debunked the spiritual, otherworldly, invisible war that's going on in the world. We look at it, it is flesh and blood. You know, it says right here that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And yeah. That's to right. Me, in the next verse, in, yeah. in verse 12, you know, he, he, he's, he addresses that. Absolutely. And I think that we've, we've, we've denied the working of the devil, but I also think that we cannot, we cannot move past the fact that Satan doesn't have to do everything because the natural progression of the unrepentant, unregenerate man will lead to those types of actions. Yeah. You know, it says in, um, in Romans 1, where it talks about how they, they progressed and in, in suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, they pushed themselves to a point where the Lord turned them over to their evil desires. Right. And that is the, that, yes, Satan may have a hand in that, but we also have to look at the unrepentant, unsaved heart will lead to that point. Yes. Without you know, Satan's involvement. Right. You know, God, uh, in his uh, understanding of the universe, gave us what we call free will. And that is, he instilled in man the ability to make choices. This verse you referred to in verse 12 of Ephesians 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but he goes on to say, but it's against rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so, um, you know, when we look at our own local, state, national government, it almost seems like Paul is warning us that these evil forces, Satan, may use these institutions to carry out evil. I, I would agree with that because you would, you would think that in this time, the Christians are, Christians are worried about, new, new believers are worried about those those people coming to them and and mocking them for their faith or calling them crazy in, in a time in where there's all these other gods that are worshipped and you have the nerve to stand there and say that there's only one God, you, you would think that those were the main the main um, attackers of Christians. But you could presume that Paul was saying, no, you have to look uh, look around at the higher authorities, at the higher places. You know, these people are agents of satan they are agents of evil and i believe that the devil will commandeer those people if they are not living a life for god i i believe that just a life there is no there is no the myth of neutrality someone if you are not for god then you are inherently against god which is everything satan stands for you know, he, he finishes up this verse 13 by saying, put on the full armor of God when the day of evil comes, stand your ground. You know, uh, many commentators have said it seems to be that Paul is shouting to us across the centuries to you Christians, you believers, you, you're, you followers of Jesus, you must arm yourselves, arm yourselves. You are in a spiritual battle. 
Well, that's the whole beginning. The book of Ephesians is 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 an incredible book. I would recommend right. anybody to study. I mean, the most some of the most theology per square inch of the entire New Testament. And the beginning of Ephesians is filled with those uh, indicatives, those truths about the Lord, those truths about the Christian faith. And then throughout the latter half of the book, it says walk. Walk is used multiple, multiple times talking about the Christian walk. And then all of a sudden we arrive to this battle mentality. And then three times, 11, 13, and 14, you see an 11 stand. 13, stand in the evil day, stand firm. 14, stand firm. And, and, And it's like Paul is saying, at some point, you need to be prepared to stand firm. Yeah, you know, at 14, he launches into this metaphor of the Roman uh, soldier where he says, you know, stand firm with the belt of truth, the belt of truth buckled around your waist, you know. Uh, and so you say, well, what is Paul telling us about truth? He's saying, buckle the, the, the belt of truth around your waist. It seems to me that he's saying, you've got to embrace the full gospel of Jesus Christ, the full, well, you know, unaltered gospel of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I mean, you think we know, we know it goes without saying, but if someone is listening that isn't a believer, we, we believe that the word is inspired by the Holy spirit, but also that he gave the words to be written down the full inspiration of the scriptures. So I don't think that it's a mistake that he starts in this description of the Roman soldier. You know, it's not top down. It's not bottom up. He starts with truth. And that's where we have to start is, are we going to believe that this is true? If we don't believe, then we're just making intellectual assent. See, see, so he goes on there in, in Ephesians 6, 14 and says, stand firm with the breastplate. Again, referring to, you know, that Roman soldier, the breastplate of righteousness in place. Well, you know, our righteousness as believers and followers comes through the cross, you know, with Jesus uh, dying for our sins. So, you know, how, how does the world attack us with believers who feel this righteousness, feel this relationship with Jesus? How does the world attack us and and call into question our righteousness. Well, going to what we're talking about, about how the devil is working and not just the, not just evil men, but how Satan is working is it's through, through lies, through deceit, yeah. through self doubt. Uh, it says in John eight forty four, you're of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. When he speaks, it's a lie. So what they'll what what the world will do inherently because unknowingly because they are working for Satan, whether they know it or not, they're against God. What they'll do is they will speak in doubt and and cause that put that little seed in your head that says, well, well, maybe I'm not saved anymore. Maybe yeah, I'm it, not righteous. And in our society, it's commonplace for Christians to be slandered, labeled names, not just called uh, uh, hypocrites, but called hate mongers and, uh, you know, people who uh, 
or anything but Christ-like. So, so these are these are the attacks that are being uh, launched at us, and and of course, what Paul's telling us is, uh, look, uh, you you stand firm and 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 put on this breastplate uh, breastplate of righteousness, and then he goes on in fifteen and talks about uh, uh, really the boots of the. Uh, Roman soldiers say, and your feet be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And so it's kind of what you're talking about. Uh, uh, you know, we've got to be ready because if you're going about the gospel of peace and think that because you're a peace-loving Christian that you're going to be embraced by society, throughout the scripture, we're warned that that will not be the case. Well, it's it's it goes back to me to a, a mentality that we, we've got this through the the pushing of things like the the prosperity gospel and this easy believism where where god or jesus christ is an enhancement to your life all that they're going to do is take your life that you already have that's so good and make it better and i feel that there is such a misconception with Christianity because Jesus says in John 15, he says, remember the words that a slave is not greater than his master. If they hated me, they'll hate you. If they listen to me, they'll listen to you. And I think that what we've done is we've made it to where it's so easy to be a Christian because we're not being real Christians that when hard times come, we're overwhelmed. And yes, when you have on those shoes of the gospel of peace, that that those shoes are it's your feet that's what's carrying you the gospel is what carries us to to preach to speak to others it carries us to make disciples of all nations the the great commission and you know now, this whole uh i think one of the things that has drawn people to christianity throughout the ages has been this gospel of peace where uh uh christians throughout the ages have conducted themselves as uh, as peacemakers, as people who are going to stand for peace and reject violence and reject these other things. And so, you know, when he's telling us uh, that, we, that we've got to fit ourselves with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, it really is a, uh, a, a critical thing. You know, in, in verse 16, uh, he goes on to say, take up the shield. Now he's talking about the Roman soldier's shield. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Against, again, relating back to the, the satanic forces in our, uh, in our state. You know, some of these, I would suggest that some of these arrows are, you know, our own self-doubts and, you know, our our human lust fears times that we're disobedient. These are, these are Satan's arrows. This is how Satan attacks. This is how Satan attacks the kingdom of God. Well, I think that Satan working through unbelief and through falsely converted people, a lot of times we get comfortable and complacent. And then we realize that some of those flaming arrows are coming from churches across the street are coming from Christians down the road um, who have through their rejection of the truth have, have turned and started firing back on us. And if we don't have, you know, that shield is such a picture because it was a huge shield. It would, it would protect your whole body. 
You know, right. they dip it in water to put out the flaming arrows in real life, right. not just metaphorically That's right. speaking. That's and right. So that faith, you know, it says in Proverbs 30, every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will reprove you and you will be proved a liar. So we have to have faith, A, in his word, but B, also in the fact that we will be protected from those flaming arrows that come from Satan and from that self-doubt. Sometimes, yes, it is from within. Sure. Sure it is. And, you know, uh, he goes on in verse 17 in Ephesians. Uh, we ask the question, okay, this all sounds good, the shield idea and the other things we've talked about, but what really gives, what will give us, the believers and followers of Jesus, the confidence? What gives us the confidence to be bold and aggressive uh, when we're surrounded by these evil demonic uh, forces? And uh, what Paul says, and the way he says it, he says, take on the helmet as the Roman soldier, take on the helmet of salvation. Well, that's what I've, what I've noticed is, is it seems that Christians are labeled as anti-intellectualist a lot of times, that we're not thinkers, we're just feelers and an emotional religion, which we do feel, but we also think, and I, and I believe that Satan works in the mind, that he sows seeds of doubt and discord and, and, and lies in the mind. And so the helmet is protecting the mind and we have to have that assurance of salvation. And one of the biggest assurances of salvation is obedience to his word and obedience to his command. You know, I would encourage people who may be listening and, and who are struggling with assurance of their salvation to read, a, a, to read and study a book like first John. That's the whole, the whole premise of first John was to give assurance of salvation to struggling new believers. So I think that bolstering ourselves up with the assurance of our salvation through obedience and through the work of the Holy Spirit will will lead to that confidence that, that we are protected. Yeah, and, and I think about, you know, a, a modern-day battle, you know, how much more confidence can a soldier have in a battle than to know that his victory has already been won? Absolutely. And no matter what happens. Amen. And so that tells us you can be as bold and aggressive because your victory uh, has has been won. You know, he goes on in that same uh, verse and says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word, you know, we have a lot of, uh, I, I ran into a lady in the grocery store the other day who, uh, you know, we happened to be talking about uh, uh, abortion, frankly. And uh, she referred to the Bible and said, well, you know, the Bible's nothing but just a bunch of words written by a bunch of men anyway. What do they know? <laughs> and I did have a short conversation with her about that in the grocery store, but I thought I would love to sit down and have a much longer conversation with you about why, why we believe that the Bible is indeed the infallible word of God. And, and uh, you know, this is, interestingly, this is the only offensive weapon that Paul mentions in his metaphor about the Roman soldier, and that is that the word of God is the sword. It is the offensive sword. And, uh, and, 
and so if we if someone asks, oh, well, well, how is it that the word of God can be used when it seems that others reject uh, reject what we say if they think we're quoting the scripture? Well, that's where we have to go back to what is our main what what is our main source of what are we sharing with others? And that, well, why do we call ourselves evangelicals? Because of the evangel, the good news. That, that we're, we're sharing the gospel and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in the hearts of people through, yes, we speak the truth. We don't change the truth for them. You think about Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus said, how can I be saved? He said, you, you must be born again. He said, I don't get it. And he said again, you must be born again. So right. uh, we, we have to speak the truth, but ultimately we always fall back to the word. The word is, is sufficient. Uh, we, we've given up that it is inerrant. We, we know it's inerrant. Everyone's made, said it's inerrant, but nobody says it's sufficient. That's why that lady might've even called herself a Christian, but she doesn't believe that the Bible is sufficient for all things. And yeah, and yeah. it's, it's, uh, it, you know, it's, as you have suggested, you know, we can't back up from the truth. Uh, even though I observe that there are some Christians who seem to be willing to throw out parts of the scripture that make them uncomfortable. Uh, and uh, that is a dangerous, slippery slope. And, uh, you know, I, I think about that verse in the scripture where, where we're told, uh, uh, we're told that, you know, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. And uh, we can't be ashamed of the truth. Absolutely. I mean, that is our, like you said, that that is our weapon. That is what we can fight back with. And what, I mean, imagine all the Christians, if you think about it from a battle mindset, you've got a bunch of Christians wandering around a battlefield naked. I mean, they might have one piece of the armor, but it says take up the full armor of God. Right, and exactly. and, they're, and if you're wandering out there with just a shield, you might be able to stand for a few, little while, but eventually you're going to get stabbed. You're not going to be able to fight back. And so, right. the word of God is that that weapon that slashes out against the darkness. Hebrews four twelve. You know that it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word is a living lie detector test. That's right. You know, it's what discerns. You know, Paul ends up uh, begins to end this particular chapter in uh, Ephesians, in uh, verse 18, where he says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Always keep on praying for all God's people. And so, you know, what he's telling us is prayer is critical in this spiritual warfare. Well, that's what it seems is, is everybody, when you hear this, listen to even what it's titled. I mean, even in my Bible, the headline is The Armor of God. But it should it should say something like the Christian soldier, because every every sermon, every bracelet that says the armor of God, every P, every T-shirt stops at verse 17. But all they've told you is here's what the soldier wears, not what does a soldier do? What is the battle tactic and the tactic to winning this war of the Christian life is prayer. Right. You know, that that's that's Philippians four, six and seven. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And I mean, there's Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer. Psalm 145, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth, in truth. So 
prayer is often neglected in this section, but it prayer all, is the culmination of all of that. Right. I, I had a, a wonderful God-fearing, Jesus-following grandfather. And when you went to his house sometime in the evening, didn't matter who was there, who was visiting, who was around, kids, others, friends, he would gather everybody in his living room and he would get down on his hands and knees and pray. And that was such a tremendous witness uh, to everyone who visited his household as well as, uh, as an effective tool in this spiritual warfare. You know, uh, Jason, I wish you and I had the time here to talk the rest of the day about this whole subject. You and I both know that there have been many articles, many sermons, uh, even books written just on this chapter in the book of Ephesians. But let me say this to our listeners as we uh, conclude today. Uh, just like the believers in the early church, uh, today followers of Jesus must put on the full armor of God to prevail in this uh, spiritual warfare against Satan's demonic forces. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that things will begin to change in, in our country as more and more followers of Jesus are realizing what must be done uh, to change the environment in our country. Prayer provides the power of God to repel, to repel the attacks of the devil. Prayer is the Christian's constant communication and constant contact with God. And he has commissioned us to combat the spiritual forces of evil throughout our lives and that we're not alone in this struggle, that he and, and, and the gift of the Holy Spirit that he has given us are standing by our side. So if you're listening here today, perhaps you're in a place where you need to decide what side of this battle did you want to be on? Because I can tell you, the victory has already been won. Thank you so much for being with us today, uh, Pastor Jason. I look forward to having you back on again in the future. May God bless you. You too. 